0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen to Hallelujah. You know, my, well, among my earliest childhood memories is of Easter morning, and my dad would uh, wake us up with that acclamation before he left to go to the early service. He would um, shout out, Hallelujah, Christ is risen, and we would respond, the, risen, the Lord is risen indeed, hallelujah. And then we would get up and run into the breakfast room where there would be an Easter basket in front of each place. And Easter was fun. Easter was always a surprise, even though we knew it was coming. Today is the second Sunday of Easter, Doubting Thomas Sunday. I'm actually a big fan of doubt. Uh, For one thing, uh, Matthew tells us that on the eve of the ascension, the eleven disciples gathered with Jesus on the mount of ascension, just as he was about to ascend into the eternal presence of God. And Matthew says, and they worshipped him, but some doubted. Amazing. And then, of course, if Thomas had not doubted, he would never have received the proof that he needed to know that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is Lord. By the time I was 16, my childhood Easter's were long behind me, I was president of my high school class. I was in love. And I had discovered my life's vocation, surfing. (laughs) The trouble was that I lived on the southeast coast of Florida, and there wasn't much surf during the school year, and none at all in the summer. So in the summer, I used to go to Ocean City, Maryland, where I could surf every morning, and I worked in a restaurant at at night. But during the school year, I had to go up the coast, up to Fort Pierce or Cocoa Beach or Daytona. And I'd have to leave at between 2 and 4 in the morning in order to get up uh, to the beach before the winds changed and the surf got blown out i had a friend who had a vw bug without a radio and so we had hours uh, as we rode up the coast to talk about things and we talked about everything about life and about what we believed about god And I came up with a theory. Nobody told me this, I made it up myself. My theory was that after Jesus died, his disciples uh, carried on his mission of preaching and teaching and they began to build him up and soon the legend developed that he had been raised from the dead and people believed it because people were simpler back then, and not as smart as we are today. (laughs) The fact that nobody else believed what I thought didn't make me doubt my theory. In fact, it confirmed how smart I was. (laughs) That I was able to come up with something that nobody else had ever thought of before but I was wrong. (laughs) As we heard last Sunday in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, which was written a generation before any of the gospels were written, Paul wrote to them that he had himself received what he had handed on to them when he founded the Corinthian church 10 years earlier, that Jesus had died for our sins and on the third day been raised again. In fact, there's no evidence in the New Testament that the disciples ever tried to carry on the mission of Jesus. In Luke's gospel, at the end of the gospel, the two disciples are leaving Jerusalem on their way back home to Emmaus, disappointed because they had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. And in today's gospel, as we heard, they're hiding behind locked doors for fear of arrest by the Jews. In fact, they never did carry on the mission of Jesus. Jesus had come proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. They proclaimed Jesus is Lord. As someone says has said the proclaimer became the proclaimed. Nor was Their talk about the resurrection of Jesus just a way of talking about their own experience of faith. They had lots of ways of talking about that. They could say they had been born again to a living hope. They could say that they had received the Holy Spirit. They could say that they had been empowered by the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit had come upon them. They could talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit and fruit of the Holy Spirit. No, when they talked about the resurrection of Jesus, they weren't talking about themselves. They were talking about something that had happened to Jesus after he died. And they weren't naive. Thomas demanded proof before he would believe And as John writes in his first epistle, which we heard this morning, they were talking about what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. Of course, we're dependent on their testimony, just as we must depend on the testimony of witnesses to any historical event. We might like to know exactly what they saw but we cannot doubt that they believed what they said because it changed them forever before they had been frightened disciples of Jesus who would not associate with Gentiles or allow women into their synagogues afterwards They had all things in common and loved one another as Christ had loved them. They became a community in which there was neither male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, all were one in Christ. And they were no longer frightened disciples but bold apostles of the risen Christ. Before they kept the Sabbath, And obeyed the Torah. Afterwards they worshiped on Sunday and proclaimed that they were saved not by works of the law but by faith in Jesus. To be sure our experience is different from theirs. Jesus has ascended to the Father. He has entered the eternal presence of God. Now Jesus can be present to anyone, anytime, anywhere. Now we behold Jesus by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. By the time I was 24, I was still in love, but my commitment to surfing had ended when I went to college in Tennessee. I had a job with a Mental Health Association, but it was just a job, not a career. One night, Kathy and I were talking about our next step in life. I had a lot of opportunities, I felt, but nothing excited me. It wasn't that I was afraid to make a commitment, but I wanted to make a commitment to something that was worthy of the commitment I wanted to make. I wanted more than a job, more than a career. I wanted to be as passionate about my life's work as I'd been about surfing. I'd always liked to sketch, and as a youth, I'd even taken art lessons. And so as we talked about our choices, I was absentmindedly sketching on a notepad As we ended our conversation, I looked down at the paper, and I had drawn the face of Jesus. The next day, I went to see the bishop to tell him that I needed to go to seminary. A few years later, Kathy sat alone one evening reading the newspaper. She put the paper down in her lap and prayed, Oh, Jesus, if I could just see you. She picked up the paper and turned the page. And there was a picture of the Shroud of Turin, that mysterious cloth that first appeared in the Middle Ages, which has the qualities of a three-dimensional photographic negative, which when developed, reveals the image of a crucified man with a crown of thorns and a spear wound in his side. It was the face of Jesus looking up at her from the newspaper. So what about you? What proof do you need? Has Jesus appeared to you? Has there been a moment when you have seen Jesus and when seeing has replaced doubt with faith, fear with courage, when aimlessness and uncertainty has turned into meaning and purpose, so that like doubting Thomas, you have cried out, my Lord and my God. Have you believed because you have seen? Yes? No? Then blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe.